When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Football Social Daily. European Championship Special. It's England. The three Lions are in a major final for the first time in 55 years. In 1966, football came home. I know that was then, but it could be again. Denmark were valiant, but it was England who were victorious, and VAR was the villain for some in the most nail-biting of European Championship semi-finals. It's been a tournament to remember already, but just how memorable could it be for generations to come when England play Italy in the Euro 2020 final on Sunday? Sterling sensational, Walker wonderful, Maguire magnificent. So many standout performers on a night which will be replayed over and over again. Denmark played their part. What a tournament they've had. Soldiers on and off the pitch. We'll look across last night's game here on Football Social Daily from both sides' perspectives, as well as casting an eye forward towards Sunday's final between England and Italy. I'm Niall McCorn and joining me this morning, probably still with a can of cider in his hand, we've got Marley Anderson. How are you, Marley? <laughs> Good morning. Yes, not too bad. Nice uh, nice way to uh, wake up knowing that you're European Championship finalists and you're on a podcast with a Scottish lad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have to be balanced here. So alongside myself and Marley, we've got someone who no doubt had red and white flags painted on his cheeks last night. Red and white Denmark flags, that is, rather than England ones. <laughs> JP Hughes, how are you doing? I am absolutely outstanding, mate. I had all my bacon bean better than gammon jokes ready to go and they've all been thrown in the bin so here I am ready to take it tight and this is the, the point of post-production you've probably got the funeral march music playing behind my voice <laughs> well we did have a little discussion before the podcast yesterday where you said you were quite keen to play devil's advocate and throw a few curveballs in there and I did have a, a little klaxon for every time you did that and it was just going to be some bagpipes just to see how <laughs> quintessentially Scottish we could do it so uh, unfortunately that's that's not needed today um, well I say unfortunately more like thankfully because what a day it was yesterday for every person that supports England an amazing achievement beating Denmark by two goals to one after extra time in the Euro 2020 semi-final 
It was Denmark who took the lead through a remarkable Damsgaard free kick, but there are a few question marks over whether Jordan Pickford should have saved it. We'll come on to that a little bit later. Before Raheem Sterling, who caused problems all night, managed to force an own goal from the Denmark captain, Simon Kier. And then it went into extra time, nothing to separate the teams after 90 minutes. 1-1 it finished after the full allocation. And then when we went into the extra half hour, a penalty. A dubious penalty, it has to be said, but a penalty was given. A foul on Raheem Sterling, tucked away at the second time of asking by Harry Kane. And that was that. History was made. England in their first major tournament final since they won the World Cup in 1966. First of all, Marley... How do you feel this morning? How did you feel watching the game? Because normally England in a knockout game in any major tournament is a nerve shredder, but a semi-final in which I felt England looked like they could get the job done for a decent chunk of the game to then actually do it and get over the line. It's a pretty alien feeling for almost every England fan. It is, yeah. Um, and when when I was watching it, I was I was you know kind of happy with how the game was going. As you know, as even when. Uh, England went one nil down. I was still thinking there's plenty of time in this to come back, and you know we're, we're definitely going to have a spell in the game where we'd probably expect to score at some point. Um, and when I was sat there with you know a few friends and a few ciders and a few beers and what have you, you know I, I sort of thought back to all the other times that you sat there in front of the TV and watched it with your friends or in a bar or wherever you are, and it usually ends in abject failure. <laughs> it usually ends with you know uh, somebody being the villain, whether it's you know, Beckham in 98 or Rooney. Uh, Rooney's spat with Ronaldo getting sent off in 2004, was it? And all the rest of it. There's always something that goes wrong and you're kind of expecting that, but uh, it never looked like it was going to really. And even when the free kick went in, you, you kind of had a little wobble and thought, oh, maybe this isn't our our night to, uh, to sort of get over the line sort of thing. But I mean, as soon as Sterling's goal goes in, well, Kier's own goal, sorry. Um, it's it. There was only one winner really, and it was just a case of sort of um, seeing it through. And and when it went to extra time, you're thinking if it goes to penalties, I can't can't really face that. I don't really want to face that to be honest. But they they got it done. Um, and the way they played the game out, I mean, that that, that last last ten minutes in the second half of extra time, where England just basically passed the ball around for a good 10 minutes and I'd probably 80% of the last 10 minutes was just fantastic. I thought that is a real sign of of maturity and, and quality because, you know, in previous years, if we were in that position, the ball would just be getting hammered out and returned back by Denmark who were trying to push for push for a goal with six foot six Vestergaard in there, six foot five Kier in there and, and all the rest of them. So... It was brilliant to see that. It was really well managed by England and, and they deserved a win over the uh, 120 minutes. The game management was excellent, something that we've not seen from an England side before, at least as long as I can remember. So I agree with you there. I mean, you mentioned Vestergaard. Let's not get on to him. How the hell he didn't end up in the book last night for the amount of fouls he was given away? I don't know. I thought the referee was terrible last night. We'll come on to some of the dubious decisions throughout the game in a second. Obviously, as a Scotsman JP, I think you would have understandably been supporting Denmark but there seems to be a bit of an interesting narrative going on around this England football team there's been plenty of praise given to Gareth Southgate and the players themselves particularly Southgate for being empathetic and almost knitting together a group of players who do care uh, and do understand some of the troubles and the issues that the nation have been through but then again you kind of 
juxtapose that with a section of England supporters who understandably some people call insufferable. So it's almost like everyone's really pleased for the team. But then there's this sometimes perceived arrogance from England fans because of this whole it's coming home sort of stuff. But the fact of the matter is they got the job done. They got over the line. And I suppose in order to to be able to to have that outlook on on things as an England fan, you need to get there, and England have done that. I think you summed up my take on it perfectly. That now um, I, I, this is a team, this is a brilliant group of footballers, led by a genuinely likable, um, uh, strong character of what has proven to be outstanding moral fibre, brilliant leadership decisions. Um, a better football manager and tactician than any of us gave him credit for. Um, and, I, I, you know, <laughs> something else that has to be said about this group of England players as well, they're pretty bloody likeable. Um, that's not often the case, especially for a Scotsman, about England teams. But these players come across as a, a, as a decent group of lads. Um, I am, I, I am and, and, and you can take this whether I mean it or not, I'm genuinely pleased for that England team. Um, but as you quite rightly point out, there's an element that you just cannot be pleased for, especially after what you lot did to Mel Gibson in that film. That was outrageous. <laughs> um, so <laughs> we, we never go over that. Um, that's, uh, some people in Scotland still think that's a documentary. Um, but, the, <laughs> but what happened yesterday um, was, as, as, as Marley says there, was uh, was pretty rare. And, 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 I mean, I, I'm in my, my, my mid-40s. And I said last week that this is the most street smart England team I've ever seen, um, and uh, and the way that they they know how to get through games, and the way that they know when to up the tempo, when to pull it back, they know when to start to <laughs> inverted commas win fouls. Um, but that's what street smart international uh, and successful European sides do, and England didn't do that. And I thought Marley made a good point that previously you would have seen get the ball out the pitch, win the headers, trying to that wasn't the case. Granted, Denmark were absolutely dead in their feet, but I thought England controlled the game absolutely superbly once they get back into it. After Denmark had scored, I don't think, you know, you were very confident that England were going to come back into it. But it's all these, you know, and being says I won't get into this too much, but it's all these little things that, you know, all goes quite well. Then you have um, the person, you know, you get the stupid booing taking place again at the knee bit, and you go, "Oh, come on, man!" And then you see that the, 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 you know, the, the Tory politicians try to hijack on it, and then you know, it's easy to forget when you live in when you live in England that when you live in Scotland or Wales or Northern Ireland that the BBC is the dominant channel there and the, the dominant content we get is sent from down south so it absolutely steamrolls over everything that's going on to it so eventually you get to say like oh bloody hell back off a wee bit you know what i mean but that's all uh, that, that's all that's all just simple you know it's sibling rivalry you know what i mean um it's uh, it's it's seeing your 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 <laughs> i described it the other day it's like seeing your uh, big gobby bully neighbor next door who never shuts up about that beautiful mercedes he owned back in the 60s but has never owned a nice car since all of a sudden he's on the verge of getting a really nice motor in the driveway again and they're kind of a bit jealous about it you pretend to be really pleased and smile at him but you get back in the house you're like to miss that next door <laughs> <laughs> well I so found, a wee bit, 
I found last <laughs> night that it was Owain across the road that was the most bitter. I found that on social media, the Welsh were actually the ones twisting the knife more than anyone else. More oh, than really? Yeah. Um, one standout performer, I think, whether you're a Wales fan, Scotland fan, Republic of Ireland fan or whatever, watching the game, even as a neutral, you cannot deny Raheem Sterling was yet again brilliant. He's a contender for player of the European Championships for me and for many other people as well. Could easily have scored a couple of goals last night to add to the few. He's already got this tournament Marley, another excellent showing from him and he went into this tournament with a real determination to prove what he's all about and we talk about this being a likeable group of England players Raheem Sterling's had no end of stick from some quarters of the English media so to be putting in these sorts of performances and being the talisman that England have been looking for for a long, long time on that tournament stage. It's brilliant for him. He was pulling all the strings last night and he was at the heart of everything dangerous that England did. Yeah, it was another brilliant performance. I think there's there's not been a game where he's been sort of ineffective at all. I think from the start of the competition, he's been the one England give the ball to, to, to dribble and to attack and to, to create something. And I think... You know, last night his his dribbling again was was causing all kinds of issues. His his movement, his pace. I mean, I counted two or three times where he ran at. It was either Vestergaard at one point, or I think it was Kier at another. Um, and I said to my my mates, like, he's so hard to stop because he's so much smaller than them. So when they put their arm across, when Vestergaard's six foot six, when he when they put their arm across, he simply just ducks under it, and he's he just goes the other side. And <laughs> Vestergaard's thinking, oh Christ, well I'm never going to catch him. So it's he did it a few times, and I'm thinking that's just it's just brilliant play like all the time from Sterling. He's not making any bad decisions, um, and I think the the level of of how he's playing is summed up by the fact that he was left on when Jack Grealish came on, um, and then we got the goal, and Jack Grealish came back off again because it was a choice of either Sterling to come off, uh, Grealish to come off, or Foden to come back off, who'd only just gone on for five minutes. So. I think with Sterling playing so well and England wanting to switch back to a back five to to see the game out, it was a case of who do I take off? So it was it, it became Grealish because Sterling was playing so well and there's always a chance he's going to nick you another goal on the counter-attack, which he nearly did two or three times towards the end. So That was so ballsy from Southgate, wasn't it? To make the double sub. Grealish, who's kind of been the sweetheart of England fans throughout the tournament, someone who's come on and made an impact in a couple of games. For him to come on and then come off again, it reminded me of that... You know that Simpsons meme where Homer Simpson's granddad puts his hat on the rack, <laughs> yeah. comes in, takes it off and leaves again. That was exactly what Jack Grealish did last night. But it takes some uh, takes some fortitude from Southgate as a manager to make those sorts of decisions. Yeah, it does. It really does. One of the things that reminded me of a wee bit as well is, do you remember when, when uh, the infamous instant when Alex Ferguson kicked the boot across the changing room and it hits Beckham in the face <laughs> yeah. and he goes, oh, why him? Of all the players, this boot had to hit in the face. I just imagine Southgate going, why is it Grealish I need to take off, man? <laughs> <laughs> because he has been such the sweetheart of supporters. It's that one guy that they all want to see going on it. But, I mean... Balls the size of you know what I mean that 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 was that you need to salute that sort of uh, mental strength clarity of vision and uh, and spine to make it mm. because it was a it was a much easier decision for him to take off somebody else but it was the right decision to take off uh, Grealish and he did it yeah Grealish off Trippier on was the substitution that was when England had just taken a two one lead thanks to a Harry Kane penalty although he didn't score the penalty it was saved by Kasper Schmeichel who almost parried it straight back to Kane who then tucked it home at the second time of asking however 
Raheem Sterling was involved again. He won the penalty, but should it have been a penalty? Plenty of split decisions on this one, Marley. What camp do you lie in? There was plenty of people on punditry last night and social media saying, I don't really care. The referee's given it. It is what it is. Um, Can you understand why the Danes might feel a bit hard done by there? Nah, Stonewall penalty. Could have broke his leg. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Honestly, if I was a Denmark fan, I would be furious at the game last night mm-hmm. um i'd be furious i'd be furious if if that penalty went against me i'd be furious if if all the the little falls that harry kane was doing got a free kick every time because uh, i think only one of them or something was a foul like they, he would he would everyone could see what he was doing and, and stuff like that and the, the referee just bought it every single time um for for um england in in their favor so yeah um I'd be fuming. I'd be genuinely so annoyed if I was a Denmark fan. But I mean, I know it's it's kind of no sort of um, consolation for them. But when you see decisions over the years go against England, there's been countless bloody decisions go against us over the years. So when you get a little bit of luck in in these games, you just got to take it. Because in 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 the future we'll get we'll get screwed over by something. We we might get screwed over in the final by a a Stonewall penalty that wasn't given. We got. Uh, we should have had a penalty against Scotland that wasn't given. Hey. Um, and <laughs> um, you know they've been they've been buzzing with that point ever since, supporting everyone we've played against and having still not seen anyone beat us. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's one of them where you know if you get the look, you just take it and, and run with it. I mean, we got knocked out of the World Cup in '86 by a little midget punching the ball in the back of the net, um, and the the goalkeeper still fuming about it to this very second. Um, appearing on BBC Breakfast every five minutes saying, I still hate him, I still hate him, I don't care if he's dead, I still hate him. (laughs) (laughs) I've never known anyone to to hold a grudge like Peter Shilton, but never mind. Um, Then, you know, there's there's all kinds of decisions. There's the the Lampard goal in in the World Cup in in um, in 2010 where it went two foot over the line and didn't go in. So when you get a penalty that have been, you know, probably shouldn't have been given, take it, it's fine. Yeah, and Kane did take it and he missed. And I said at the time when I was watching the game, I wouldn't rather have anyone else probably in the last 10, 15 years, uh, maybe Lampard or Shearer. But apart from that, Harry Kane is right at the front of the queue for someone who I would want to take a pressure penalty for England. He very rarely misses from the spot. I'm the same. I said I've never seen Kane miss a penalty. I can't remember him missing a penalty. He's just, I mean, I thought he was going to go to the keeper's right to his left. It was a tame penalty in the end, but he got the rub of the green. And I think England, even though Denmark dominated probably around about 45 minutes to an hour of the game in general, I thought England did create more chances and looked the more likely. Let's talk about the Denmark goal, which was a brilliant free kick from Mikkel Damsgaard, JP. I mean, you can't take any shine off of the strike. It was a really good hit, a really good finish. Something quite... um, Interesting, which happened with the wall as well, who almost sort of shifted three or four yards across the block Pickford's view just as the ball was being struck, which I think was a little detail that some people might have missed. But for me, I think Pickford should save that. And some people have called me harsh and saying there's no way, you know, that goes in eight times out of ten. But it's gone down the middle of the goal. I would want my goalkeeper to save that. I thought Pickford looked the shakiest of all England players last night. And I think there's a few Three Lions fans like me who are thinking, please, Jordan, of all days to have your wobble, don't make it now. I agree. Um, I, I'm, you know, anybody listens to this podcast regularly knows I'm, I'm no fan of Jordan Pickford as a goalkeeper. Um, but uh, he's, got, he's got a crazy 
<laughs> untidy technique in most of the things that he does. That all I think I've mentioned before. I think really great goalies, the the, the great goalkeepers make difficult things look simple. Jordan Pickford has it this this uncanny knack of making simple things look difficult. Um, but I, I, I do think it's hard to blame him for for that. Ganan, it was a, a great strike, but I, I was quite surprised when I saw the replay how 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 central it was. Um, but the he is unsighted very slightly with that, that, that little movement that takes place in the wall and when you kind of look at it again and think about it it does see the ball very very late so I don't think it really matters what goalkeeper you are it, it, it reacts in good time you know it makes a, a decent reaction to it um, I think it's probably a wee bit unlucky and I know this is a thing that's, that's levelled and, and it's there's nothing Jordan Pickford can do about that but probably just a taller goalkeeper saves it with a, a, a longer reach you know um, because they've had the time to see it Absolutely outstanding strike of the ball. Takes that crazy dip and goes in. You do see them fly in quite often. And it's generally because of the lateness of what the goalie sees. So, um, it, 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 it is, you know, um, it, it, it's not an absolute certainty you should save it. But I do think that in a, a game of that magnitude, a goal, you know, when you're playing at that level, you, you're probably hoping your goalkeeper gets a hand on that. Yeah, I think so. And actually... You know, I spoke about the referee who was Danny McAlee from the Netherlands. I thought he was so soft during the game. He gave Maguire a yellow card for an elbow that wasn't an elbow. Vestergaard must have committed 20,000, wasn't booked. And then the free kick was given there. And some people were saying it wasn't even a free kick. The penalty was given. Some people were saying it wasn't even a penalty. I know it's a difficult job to referee a game of that magnitude, but I didn't think the referee covered himself in glory. I agree. I think that that, that taps back to, to, to Marley's point. You know, and Sterling's taking a dive. Of course he has, but he's expecting that, that, that contact to come in. That happens all over the pitch, every single game of the tournament, all the way through. The Italians will be doing it in the final. Make no mistake about that. They're probably even better at it than Kane and, and Sterling, to be fair. Um, but but you, what, what do you, what, what's Sterling to do? Stand up and say, no, 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 Ref, take that back. Uh, <laughs> he didn't touch me there. That's not how we do this in jolly old England. Uh, stiff up her lip, on we go, lads. Tally-hoot. Um, come on, give me peace, man. It's, it's, the, it's, the fault of, it's, it's the fault of VAR and the officials for not saying, we got that wrong, pull it back. It's not Sterling in England's fault. One time at Fratton Park in a Premier League game against Arsenal, Andre Arshavin lost his balance and fell over. And the referee gave a penalty <laughs> and he genuinely stood up and shook his finger and went, no, that's no, not a penalty. And Arsenal really? still took it and scored it. Of course they did. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's just that's just the way things go sometimes. As you say, sometimes decisions go for you. Sometimes the decisions don't. Talking about the referee having a poor performance, two players I thought were absolutely outstanding. Kyle Walker and Harry Maguire Marley. Two players who... At times have had stick, but I think because it's the magnitude of clubs that they play for that they're always going to be under the microscope slightly more than others. I thought the desire and intensity on Maguire's face was a real picture. It was brilliant to see. And Kyle Walker, his pace is just such an asset and he didn't really put a foot wrong. I thought, you know, even Stones as well, to a lesser extent, was very, very good and sure. But I mean, the defence throughout this tournament, the only goal that's been conceded was from a brilliant free kick. Yeah, I think um, that's been, you know, there's a lot of questions over the defence, wasn't there? We've got two um, quality left-backs in Shaw and Chilwell. Um, Shaw's never put a foot wrong to the point where Chilwell hasn't even played a minute in the competition yet. Um, We've got, you know, four right-backs in the squad, um, or whatever it is, and and still Walker's the the number one choice, probably purely because of his pace. Yeah. 
And we, we've we seen that so many times. I think there was a point last night where Denmark had a really good break and it looked like they were going to get through because a couple of balls landed nicely for them and um, a couple of decent passes to get them to that position. Um, and Walker just took over with his pace, like put the afterburners on, guided it back to the goalkeeper, um, did his defending, and then England were back on the attack and back in the ascendancy again. So it's uh, he's a superb player. He's, he's maybe not as, you know, great going forward as, as Reese James or Trent Alexander Arnold or maybe even Trippier but he's got that uh, he's got that pace that gets England out of so many situations and you can play so much higher when you've got a guy who can do 100 metres in 11 seconds over over the uh, the pitch you know what I mean it's crazy once I was saying to, to the people I was watching the match with last night like if his pace ever goes overnight he's going to look like such a bad footballer because he's going to he's never going to get to to the balls that he could have once, but I mean he's thirty one and he's he's still, you know he's still lightning quick man. He's so he's positionally so much better than he was, um and when he's not, you know when he's caught out by you know a counter attack with with the rest of the defence, he's just got all that on the counter attack, uh the pace to cover it. So it's brilliant for England, um and it's a great asset to have because it just allows you to play so much braver if you've got that security of of him going backwards. So. Fair play, and the rest of the defence have been excellent. Maguire, again, heading everything away um, and heading everything in the box. He, he, he wins every single header. It's crazy against, you know, Vestergaard, Anderson, Kier and Christensen all last night, and they're all huge guys who are fantastic in the air, and ball comes in for a corner, and Maguire's the one who gets there first. Yeah. And it's just... And stepping in front of defenders as well. When the ball was coming along the ground yeah. into the England defence, stepping in he's front of defenders, of it, yeah. just getting his body in the way. Yeah, yeah brilliant. His, his anticipation is superb. Like, that's the one thing that, that uh, caught my eye last night. Every time either Paulson or Braithwaite wanted it into his feet, as soon as that ball, as soon as the guy looked up, the passer looked up to see him, Maguire would, would shift his position from going backwards to going forwards and just take it and just take it in front of him and step out of defence and give England give England the ball back and I thought it was brilliant um, and he's been amazing since came, coming into the team he, he barely took any time to step up to it um, he's superb against Germany and then he was uh, even better last night I thought so yeah long may that continue well England's defence forged in steel some might say Walker and Maguire both from Sheffield John Stones from just up the road in Barnsley, absolutely brilliant. And just the one goal conceded. That came to Denmark last night, but England were victorious after extra time. 2-1, a Harry Kane goal was enough to secure victory over the Danes and secure passage to the Euro 2020 final at Wembley on Sunday. We'll talk about that game where Gareth Southgate's three Lions will face Italy a little bit later on in the podcast. But let's take a look at things from a Danish perspective. We'll do it next here on Football Social Daily. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, the morning after the night before. And the night before was where England beat Denmark in the Euro semi-final to secure their passage through to the final at Wembley against the Italians. We'll talk about that shortly. But first, let's take a look at England's opponents from last night, Denmark, because all things considered, on the whole, JP, they've had an incredible Euros for so many different reasons the way things started for them with Christian Eriksen their teammate their friend and them being unsure whether effectively he was going to live or die and then being made to continue to play that Finland game some what an hour and a half after that horrific incident that we saw for them to then pull themselves together come through a couple of knockout games get to a semi-final and give England a really good game 
they've had an absolutely incredible tournament. It's been a remarkable story for the Danes. Absolutely mind-boggling. I don't think any of us can ever, will ever, could ever imagine what that must be like that they've gone through uh, to this period of time. It's There's no way anybody anywhere can appreciate um, the emotional um, turmoil that they, 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 that that group of players and, and, and team and even the nation as a whole and all the supporters traveling everybody there has gone through um, to see them on you know lying on the deck um, upset last night and stand up getting your feet hold your head high and be proud what you they had done is truly phenomenal um, you know you could have had the most talented group of footballers on the planet in that Denmark squad. And to come through what they came through from the first game and reach the semi-final would have been a phenomenal achievement for them. But for, and I don't mean this in a rude way, but for that squad of players, which is, is fairly limited, but very, very, very good at what they do, um, they, they really shouldn't have, you know, that squad of players, I'm not being harsh, they, they shouldn't have been in the semi-final, you know. They, were, um, they, they really shouldn't have got there. They, they, they overachieved to, to a, a phenomenal degree. And and you could see last night that um that, that they were that they were beaten by a better team last night. They were well beaten last night, but my god they they, they made a fist of it. And from about seventy minutes in you could see they were they were totally gone. They were dead in their feet, they were hanging on for their life. But um what a, what an absolutely phenomenally um sense of national pride those people should have in that group of footballers and, and bring them together so well done Denmark that, that, that's a that's another Euro story for Denmark that I don't think any of us will forget yeah absolutely and the coach of Denmark Kasper Hulmand Marley has been speaking about the game yesterday and he says it was a penalty which should not have been a penalty talking about Harry Kane's winner of course it's something which annoys me now and he used the word bitter to describe the fact of how he feels of being knocked out of the Euros can they feel hard done by in general this tournament? Because the adversity they've had to go through, like JP's just described, and the fact that UEFA almost forced their hand to continue playing after that Finland game where Christian Eriksen collapsed on the pitch and they formed a ring around him and they did all those heroic things that they did. The fact that they had to play on and obviously they lost that game, they lost a couple of their group games and then their tournament ends by being screwed over, in their opinion, by a dodgy penalty call. Can they feel hard done by in general this tournament? But I suppose you can get pride from the fact that they felt that they were against all odds. Uh, yeah, probably. Well, definitely, actually, because, you know, you've only got to look at the decisions you've just, you've just outlaid there. And if they happened to your team, you'd be, you'd be uh, putting them down as a reason as to why, you know, you didn't. Uh, get the same rub of the green as everyone else did the same same sort of uh, deal because you know add add to that as well you know the, the thing with Ericsson and then they they played um, in the last week I think they've played in three different time zones apparently so I think they played in Baku in the um, in the last in the uh, last sixteen when they played in Amsterdam as well and then now they've played in England so they're travelling all over the place they've been in Copenhagen for the first three games I think it was um, and yeah it's it's a tough one but that's that's the way the tournament was was decided it was going to be you know with the traveling and all that but um i don't think we'll ever see that again to be honest i think they'll they'll, they'll be in uh just um one country as we're used to seeing it for for the foreseeable future but yeah denmark have you know they've they've had quite the tournament it's it's been not uh there's been something in every game hasn't there you know uh the ericsson thing obviously could have been 
so much worse than it was. You know, if he'd have mm. if he'd have lost his life, that'd have been, you know, the one thing. He had to cancel the tournament. There's no way the yeah, Euros probably, could have continued. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and no one would have been that asked as well. I don't think because of the because of the COVID thing as well, and and because of the 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 planning of it is so hard and. You know, if a guy loses his life, but UEFA, I don't think UEFA even would have done that. I think they've got such a, a thick skull that they would have uh, probably just carried on with it, and you'd have seen God knows what happening mm. in the in the the aftermath of it. But um, yeah, Denmark. You know, I said. I mean, I said last night. I think they'd have still ripped your hand off for a semi final if you'd said semi final before the the tournament. So I know it's like. It's tough that they've gone out and in the in the sort of way that they did, but they can still be happy with with how they've played in the tournament, losing the first two games, then smashing Russia, hammering Wales, and then um, getting past Ukraine as well. Um, was uh, not Ukraine, sorry, um, Czech Republic. You know they're um, they've got to the semi final, and that can be that can be something that they can be proud of. I think when they when the dust settles and they look back at it. And obviously the off-field stuff will be the kind of main takeaway for a lot of people from a narrative point of view, JP, throughout the tournament. But on the pitch, they're an underrated side, aren't they? I mean, you just need to look at the quality from the free kick and in general, the the sort of the, the level that their players play at. You know, we're not talking about a great deal of players that do play in the Danish leagues. They're players that play in the Premier League and Serie A and the Bundesliga in good sides. So, you know, I think on the pitch, they've probably not quite been given their fair props for how good they have been I agree I, I, I sat with some friends last night watching the game and uh, a fellow Celtic supporter said I tell you what I would take him 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 and him <laughs> good luck do you know who him him and him play for you know what I mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, there's that little bit and, and, and you know that uh, there, there is that thing that um, especially within I think it happens together. I think it happens in all countries as well where you're a little bit insular and parochial in your view sometimes and you always look inwards and, and you're unappreciative especially of the Scandinavian countries that the the levels and the clubs that a lot of these players play at, uh, Braithwaite I thought was 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 outstanding. Um, at, at times yesterday, he has had an excellent tournament, and uh, and I said I said to my pal, you know, I would bite your hand off for half of that Denmark squad to get them a Celtic team. Um, but there's no way you're going to afford them or get anywhere near them before the tournament, and even more so now. <laughs> um, I think we'll see some of those guys get some really really interesting uh, moves over the summer. Um, for some of the people available, but you're absolutely right. Super props to the man. Um, excellent team. Great job. And yet, something that was talked about this last night as well. This is no surprise. We often in Scotland talk about the difference between England and Scotland, and and and, and how there's only five million people in our country versus sixty plus, and, and and all the rest. You know, there's more people in London than there are in the whole of, and all that stuff. Denmark has a population of about five and a half million too, but are in the latter stages of international tournaments. Time after time after time after time. What are they doing? How are they doing it? Because we need to learn a, a big lesson from them. <laughs> Eat lots of salmon. Um, <laughs> move Glasgow to the seaside. I think you'll be all right. Um, yeah, some, yeah. You know. uh, do we need, how, how do we grow them so tall? What is, what is this genetic thing? How do we get them? Where, where do we get these basketball teams that we can just put in and pile on top of Jordan Pickford to chop corners on top of? Vestergaard <laughs> genuinely looks that, like Frankenstein, doesn't he? Like, that's not that even corner a... lineup was hilarious. You know, when they put What's everyone that? on the line, and uh, Pickford just got lost in the thing. <laughs> 
was like a, he was like a child in a supermarket. This his dad, was. just looking around at all these giants. <laughs> what the hell is going on here? Jump, jumping up above the freezers to try and see if he can see between the aisles and all that. It was so. like uh, back in the old wrestling days when they used to put Rey Mysterio in with all the giants and see if he could beat them. All. Um, one thing we should mention as well that some people did miss the second half of extra time last night. It was ten versus eleven. Um, I don't think the commentary highlighted that particularly well with, I think the line from the commentator was, there's one less member of staff on the pitch. And I was thinking to myself, why would a member of staff be on the pitch when actually I realised that the commentator was talking about the fact that there's 10 players on the pitch rather than 11. So Who I, went think, off? I, I don't know, but I, I, I'm not sure. But basically by the end, it was 10 versus 11, which I think is why England... It's 10 versus 12 if you put the referee on England's Yeah, side. exactly, yeah. <laughs> Um, and I think that's partly why England were passing the ball around so fluidly towards the end in that game management. I think the fact that the Danes had 10 players had something to do with that. So you have to give them credit there. And they can feel proud of their performance, no doubt. But unfortunately, it was defeat to England last night. England will play Italy in the Euro 2020 final. That's on Sunday at Wembley. We'll discuss that next here on Football Social Daily. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. My name's Niall McCorn. I've got Marley Anderson and JP Hughes alongside me for today's show, the day after England qualified for the Euro 2020 final, where they'll face Italy. And our sponsors over at Boyle Sports have run a brilliant offer throughout the course of the Euros, which will continue into the final. It's a £10 no-lose bet. So basically, if you stake £10 on any market on any England game and that stake loses, you'll have the money refunded into your account as a free bet. Of course, you can find more information on the Boyle Sports website, boylesports.com, and the Boyle Sports betting app. Of course, it's 18 plus, bet responsibly, T's and C's apply, begambleaware.org. As I say, check out the Boyle Sports website and app for more information on that one. But it will be England against Italy in the final. Who are the favourites, JP? Because Italy, I think, even from that first game on the Friday night when they beat Turkey very, very convincingly, a lot of people have said that they're the ones to beat throughout the tournament. They've had a couple of shaky moments, but every team does in tournament football. Is it England or Italy who you think should be going into this one as the strong favourites? I, I, I'm not a man to sit in the fence, but I cannot separate them. I honestly can't. Um, I think that... I, Italy, and I, I do mean this, I think that Italy are the better side in terms of how they've played. And but I do think that England have home advantage um, they have tremendous momentum and something else that I felt was we, we, we might see play a role should England and Italy get to the final by the way I have to say I'm glad it's those two in the final because I do think they've been the two best teams throughout the tournament consistently um, I know England's starts was slow but I think something that may play to England's advantage here is that Italy have been at an insanely high level of intensity from the first whistle of the first match. They just haven't let up. Um, whereas England have grown much, and I know that's an old cliche, you grow into tournaments, but England, you know, they, they were quite flat. There wasn't a lot of, people weren't getting overexcited by it. They came through the group stage comfortably. They built, they built, they built. By the time they got to Germany, they were flying. So I see a much more upward trajectory in, in the way that England have performed to this point, whereas Italy has been pretty much go to the top and was it right along straight through the tournament. <laughs> they might just, they, uh, you know, can you keep that going all the way? And I know you'll have all the emotion in the final there. I find it very, very, very hard to, 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 to separate the two. If I had to put money on it, 
I would probably go for Italy in extra time. I think might just squeeze it. But honestly, man, I, I, I would not fancy placing any sort of money on this because it's just so bloody tight. There's so much going on. There are so many variables in it. But there's also the thing that, and, and there's no denying this, that England have had a easier route to the final, right? You've seven out of eight games at home. Um, you haven't had... Uh, you know, Ukraine were dead in their feet by the time they got to you. The Danes were kind of done there. The Germany result was massively impressive. The way they dealt with Ukraine was outstanding. Italy have had a much tougher route. They've had to deal with Belgium. They've had to deal with Spain. Um, they've got there. But again, that may actually play in England's favour because there's, they're a little bit fresher going into it, even though Italy have had that extra day's rest mentally and they've got the, the, you know, the, the, the home advantage that sits there. But you've also then got the fact that Italy have had to come through some real dogfights. Um, and uh, does that then play into their advantage because, you know, they're, they're, they're more ready for it? I, I honestly can't pick a winner, but if I had to, I would probably just just go for Italy in, in extra time. But I've, I've got an interesting question to pose you here, and for both of you, and, and tell me what you think, right? Do you think that with this England squad, and how they've done, and they've obviously, you know, it has been a home Euros throughout, um, and they had they had, they were on the more comfortable side of the knockout stages with 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 the, with the size of the nations that, that they were coming up against. Would you consider anything but victory at the Euros to be an underachievement? It's a really good point, and you know what I was talking about this yesterday in terms of Gareth Southgate and his future. Um, when the question marks were there over Southgate's team selection. And all the rest of it. And, you know, why is he doing this and not picking Foden and Grealish? Why has he gone with this lineup? Two extra defensive midfielders instead of just the single holding midfielder, like many fans were hoping for. The back three against Germany was questioned at the time and worked to perfection. I think that there have been question marks over Gareth Southgate. And I think he knows that, you know, the achievement is at the end of the tournament when you win it. And although he's proud of his side to get to the final. I think that he feels that nothing but success in the tournament would be considered success. And I think that that's a really good mentality to have. You know, he was asked after the game last night, will you be having a celebration? And he just said, well, they've already had it, haven't they? On the pitch, jumping around with the fans. And then Wembley emptied and that was it. And he said, well, we've got to focus now, four days, five days. And on to the final. I think with the squad that England have got and the draw that they've had, I think it's understandable for some people to level it at England that if they didn't reach the final at least then that would be considered a failure particularly with the teams they've come up against and there are also a chunk of England fans that say they don't really care what happens against Italy they're just euphoric that they're in a final well trust me when Sunday night comes around those England fans will care what happens (laughs) when they get uh, to kick off at Wembley so I don't know I think it's a really good point because I think Southgate's future is almost not hinging on it, but certainly there's a big part to be played on what happens on Sunday as to what happens for his future as the England boss because the FA love him and I think he will stay on even if England lose because the World Cup's in 18 months' time. But I think that you can't help but see it as a missed opportunity. But Italy are a great team, so it's a really difficult question Um, and I'm not too sure, to be honest. I think that you just need to kind of enjoy the moment and soak it up because... These things, as we know, don't happen too often. I just, I'm not sure what Marley thinks about it. Uh, I, d- I don't know. I mean, I'll be. 
I'd be amazed if we ever got an easier chance to win a tournament um, with the run we've had, the decisions we've had, the home advantage. Um, even Italy in the final, I don't think Italy are still... I know they've been good, but I don't think they're one of the best teams in the world in terms of, you know, you're like, oh, God, we're going to struggle to beat them. I think we've got a genuine chance of beating them. Um, and probably, I mean, I think Bucky's have got us as, as favourites to slight favourites to to win the game and obviously the tournament as well. So it's um, it's it's a massive chance. Um, that's what it is, and you've got to you've got to take that chance because you you know, you know fifty five years England haven't been in the final. Never mind win it. Fifty five years is you know longer than I mean. The the broadcast team on the on the TV last night, Mark Pugach on, on ITV was saying he's only fifty three and like he's a you know he's a, a dad aged granddad aged almost man. Um, that's how long it's been. So you can't pass this up now. It's it it isn't done. But also you know if if you stay um, if you stay sort of composed and play your game and try not to let the occasion. Um, get to you, then you should win the game. But Italy have had so much more experience of that than the England squad. That's that's their biggest um, their biggest strength for me. Absolute winners all over the team, like Chiellini and Benucci. They've won more more trophies than probably the entire England team combined in the um, in the in the heart of their defence. There, so you've got Jorginho. What was it you were saying at, at the start of the tournament, JP? Wasn't it you were saying that some people are calling Italy dark horses? It's like, how can a team that's won four World Cups yeah, be considered exactly a dark horse? Uh, totally, man. This is a nation that, that that knows how to to get things done, um, and and some of those World Cups, uh, some of those World Cups, <laughs> not apart from fascism. <laughs> I was just thinking of all the kind of negative uh, Italian stereotype connotations <laughs> that that could be spun into there. That's not what I meant at all. Um, but but uh, but even some of the World Cup wins. You know, when you think back, they, they, they weren't—you know—they weren't the best team in the tournament when they went on to win that World Cup, uh, and, uh, and 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 there have been better, more exciting Italy teams that haven't achieved what some of the lesser teams have. Like the Italian ninety Italy team was was sensational to watch. What a team that was, man! Um, and, and 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 ultimately disappointed. But I think, as Mally says, that there's definitely areas within it as well, and the loss of Spinazzola is massive for them. That really is huge. You know, you thought he was in a good tournament. You didn't realise how good a tournament he was having until he wasn't in the team, and you saw the difference that made. So there's no quit. England will never have a better chance. I think what what uh, they've got to a final. Um, I think that I think the semi final was minimum expectation for England, and it should have been. I think getting to the final now um, is, uh, is 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 where they should be and and it's deserved. Um, but I do think to to for it to be a true achievement. And by the way, enjoy it, lap it up. It's, I, I am I am truly envious. Uh, are you guys being able to be able to enjoy that and absorb it? And even just you know even the anticipation up to Sunday, love it, love it. It will be absolutely incredible. Um, but the 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 kicker comes in. Um, whether you win it or whether you don't, because um, I think that what they've got to now is is what's been expected of them. But I think what is what is what you have to commend 
is, is how they've achieved it. I think they have been outstanding. As I said earlier in the podcast, this looks like the most street smart England team I've ever seen. They know. I, I talked about Italy knowing how to get things done. This is an England team that knows how to get a job done uh, and make right decisions at right times. Um, so I probably just talked myself out of that Italy <laughs> that I predicted two or three minutes ago there. Um, but I started the tournament saying that England would probably be quite swashbuckling and score a load of goals, but I saw them conceding quite a few too. So would they? I know go the opposite way for me. You'll be fine. <laughs> well, the Italians have got a great spirit, and so do this England team. And interestingly, you talk about players having the know-how to get the job done. England have got a decent core of players in their squad who have won trophies. You know, the likes of those Manchester City players, the Chelsea players, Chilwell and Mount, who've just won the Champions League. Um, you know, it, it's it's a, it's a decent crop of players who have got trophies to their name, but there are also a few that haven't experienced that. I know Calvin Phillips won the championship with Leeds, but he's one that's probably not really experienced a major, major final. This You've could got, be the first trophy of Harry Kane's career, couldn't it? I know, it could be. It's, oh, a, yeah. it's remarkable. That's I mean, you madness. think about Declan Rice, who's never won anything with West Ham, Pickford with Everton, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Connor Cody. These are all names that obviously we don't see too much of. But in terms of actually winning silverware, there's not a great deal amount of it in the England squad, apart from those City players. I mean, if you've got someone like Raheem Sterling, who's won ample trophies leading from the front, then you've obviously got a great chance. But I think that's probably why you'll see a determined England, not only because it's a final, because it is a chance to get a monkey off the back for some players like Harry Kane, like you say. I mean, will Southgate stick with his team that he's played most of the tournament? We obviously saw a back three against Germany matching them up. Since then... And before then, we've seen a back four, Marley, and the back four has worked well, and it's tended to be just one or two changes per game. Saka for Sancho last night, and then Sancho for Saka the game before against the Ukraine. So do you think that we will see Southgate stick with the four at the back against Italy, or will he go back to the three at the back that was so effective against Germany? Uh, Pretty much definitely back four, I would say. Italy play 4-3-3, so there's no wing-backs to worry about, really. Um, they have a flat midfield. They don't really have a number 10 or anything, so you could even match them up 4-3-3, you know, because they don't have a, a number 10, so there's no real need for two defensive midfielders, but with it being a final and and Chiesa and Berardi and in, Insigne coming inside, I think that gives you a bit more protection. So I think the 4-2-3-1 works perfectly, to be honest, against that type of system and those type of players that you're going to play against. Um so I can probably see that and then Saka probably drop into the bench. I didn't think he was great last night, Bakayo Saka, but um, I would probably... I, I, do you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if he started Foden because he, he proved that he trusted Foden in the first two games where he, where he started him against Croatia, which was meant to be the toughest um, toughest game of the group stage. And um, he started him against Scotland as well. So he, I think he's he'll, he'll pick Foden if I'm... If I'm being honest, and then probably see Grealish and maybe Sancho and maybe Saka off the bench. You know, you've got plenty of options there, so probably go for that. And then other the rest of the team probably just picks itself. It's the same same uh, lineup as as what you've had for the, most of the tournament with Phillips and Rice in midfield, and then um, Foden if if he gets picked, and then Mount and Sterling as the attacking three supporting Kane. So. I think we'll probably see that again. Um, I would agree with that as well. And then if England are winning with 20 minutes to go or half an hour, you probably see him go back to the back five and, and put Trippier or Reese James on to uh, to shore things up. 
What about you, JP? I know it's slightly different um, for you because you don't have that partisan perspective that myself and Marley have. But um, <laughs> Italy, uh, they're kind of traditionally known, I mean, for years and years, for playing a 3-4-3 and having this kind of wing-back system. Um, do you think that Gareth Southgate will stick to his guns or do you think that he'll try and sort of outthink Roberto Mancini in the other dugout? He keeps pulling these little um, aces out of his sleeve, doesn't he? And you go, what's what's that change? What's he thinking about there? And bang, he's got it absolutely spot on. But I, I, I think I agree with Marley. I think that he'll, he'll, he'll stick with the tried and tested. Um, this is a, the final will probably be. Um, I don't expect them to go hell for leather at each other early on. Um, they'll probably try and feel each other out a little bit and, and, and see how that and, and, and you know I, I made I think I made a joke last night <laughs> on Twitter that uh, there was a fascinating little chess match taking place here I'd imagine if I knew how to play chess um, and yeah. I, th- I think the final were a wee bit like that uh, as well I think you, you, you'll probably see formations tweak a little bit there'll be some changes take place uh, like Mali I would not be surprised to see Foden come back in um, if it wasn't Foden probably Sancho and, um, and, and I think that I actually think that England formation with, with that four two three one uh will cause Italy some some real issues. I, th- I think that will cause problems. Um they're 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 four three three in the way that's set up. But I, I again their midfield's been outstanding. Jorginho up there along with uh, along with Sterling, I think, for player of the tournament so far. Um I actually think Sterling might nick and not not nick it because he deserves it. I think he might win player of the tournament because I think there's a, a few Italians that, that, that could be considered for it. There's a couple of English players as well, to be fair. Um, but they may split a vote a little bit, and I, I think Sterling might actually come out of this as uh, as player of the tournament. But I think Southgate will stick with the tried and tested. We know what Italy are going to do, and um, and I, I, I've got to say, man, um, you know, uh, I know you boys are excited because you've got a team and a final. Well, so do I now. <laughs> the Italians. And um, <laughs> oh my god, I've never um, seen there's fewer flip flops on Fistral Beach in Newquay than J- JP today. Back and forth, um, back and quite, forth. Man, we've got to, listen, I, I, I want to see you guys. I, I want to see that team do well, um, but there's no twos about it. I don't want to live with another four years he's talking about it every single time. So that's uh, that's all it comes down to. There's nothing else that, that, that goes through it. But I, do you know something? I'm going to be sentimental for a wee moment here. Um, I would really like to see Marcus... If England go on to win it, I would love to see Marcus Rashford get some time on the pitch because what a way for that man to cap the year that he's had if he was to finish with getting on the pitch in that final and uh, with a winner's medal in his pocket that's something that I think anybody could be pleased about yeah I think it's a great point this is what I mean about this England squad so many good characters and, mm-hmm. and wholehearted characters within the squad that have all kind of given their bit um, to their communities Marcus Rashford more than the Manchester communities given to the country really hasn't he with the you know the work that he's done off the field we know players like Jordan Henderson has been excellent in his charity work and stuff like that Raheem Sterling who's had to come through no end of abuse both racially and otherwise um, during his time as a professional footballer and still only just 25 26 years of age so you know even Luke Shaw a, a player who was kind of mocked for his size and his weight and his ability by previous managers these players have been through a little bit and I think that this is why they're quite a likeable group because, you know, they're not just players who 
turn up, pull the England shirt on, oh well, we're out. That's, I think it certainly means a little bit more to them than maybe generations gone by. So it's all looking pretty good for England at the moment. They take on Italy in the Euro 2020 final. Could possibly see Raheem Sterling, player of the tournament. Pickford's already sewn up the golden glove. And maybe Harry Kane for a golden boot. I mean, could you imagine that? Um, the only thing that would have made it better would have been if England win against Italy without conceding a goal and they didn't concede against Denmark because then they would have gone through the whole tournament winning every game without... Con- well, apart from the Scotland game, of course. Who could forget that? But not conceding a goal throughout the whole tournament. So amazing night last night for all involved with England and all eyes towards Wembley on Sunday. Of course, here on Football Social Daily, we'll have plenty more build-up throughout the week. Don't forget... You've got that £10 no-lose bet offer on Boyle Sports. All you need to do is head over to the Boyle Sports betting app or the Boyle Sports website. And if you stake £10 on the Euro 2020 final between England and Italy on any market and that bet loses, you'll get the money refunded into your account as a free bet. T's and C supply, 18 plus bet responsibly. BeGambleAware.org. And so we've reached the end of today's Football Social Daily. I'll leave it to Marley to, uh, to, to take us out. If you could think of three words to describe last night's game. <laughs> He's trying to bait me into saying it's coming home because uh, <laughs> say it because I will say bite it. at that bait. Yes, it's coming home. <laughs> there we go. Thanks very much, JP. Thank you, Marley. Um, good sport as always, JP. And uh, uh, I'm sure you'll be um, eat, ordering a truckload of pizza <laughs> to your house on Sunday uh, <laughs> with no pineapple. Yeah, the Italian job on repeat during the day. Um, all sorts of stuff Uh, thanks very much for listening don't forget to hit subscribe that way you won't miss a podcast again we'll be covering the rest uh, of the tournament every day Monday to Friday and I'm sure we'll have a special show on Monday so looking back whether it's win or lose for England on that European Championship final but that's it for now and we'll catch you next time on Football Social Daily it is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.